Okay, this morning, um, it'll be quite a simple message, a simple reminder, but it's something that I've been challenged about quite a lot lately, that's why I wanted to share it. Um, but it is quite simple, I hope you can bear with me. Everyone wants to go deeper with God, I, I assume, in this church. You want to get more intimate with Him, you want to know Him, be strong enough to lay your life down, like Pat and Michelle around Africa, it's not, it's not a walk in the park doing that. You want more authority, more power, uh, you just want to know Him better. And this is what I've been challenged on, it's very simple, and there are many ways you get to know God, through seeking him from prayer, fasting, being among brothers and sisters. But one, one that often gets neglected is this one. <laughs> People say they want to go on deep with God, but they don't open their Bible. The Bible remains unopened. Now, I don't want to worship the Bible because Jesus died on the cross, not the Bible. Jesus is the one who sets free, as David said. But often it is through Scripture that God mediates himself, that he breathes through Scripture. He is behind the Word of God. And I've been challenged to get more into Scripture. And I feel the Lord gave me two simple pictures before we look at some passages. Imagine you've got a mobile phone, and you want to get text messages, but you don't want to turn it on. It's stupid, isn't it? You're not going to get any messages. Imagine you want to go in a car, and you want to go a long distance, but you refuse to put petrol into the tank. Again, not so clever. And I believe God just wants to remind us today to get into the Word. Not worship it, like some evangelical churches, they almost idolise the word of God, but, but, but keep it as an important part of your life. So many Christians I know, and I've done it myself, graduate, they graduate away from the Bible. Oh, we don't need that so much. We've got visions, we've got ideas, we've got lovely, great celebrity speakers, we've got cool books to read. Don't graduate away from the Bible. So, that's the theme. Um, now, here's a quick quiz. I've got a six-question quiz to keep you awake. It's a long meeting today. Question, be honest. What would you rather have? Would you rather have that holiday home with a view over the sea or one of those? A Bible. You can only have one. And don't be smarty and say, well, I'll have my Bible on my phone. Or I'll have it on the internet. No, there's no internet. Imagine you had a choice. If you could choose between a holiday home by the sea and a copy of the Bible, what would you choose? And of course, the Christian answer is the Bible. <laughs> is the Bible that important to you? Just imagine you haven't got either, right? Right, next quiz question. It's a kind of silly quiz, but next quiz question. Right, which is the most printed literature in the world in 2019? Is it A, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows? Is it B, the Bible? I have to put that in. Is it C, the Ikea catalogue? Which one do you think it is? Hey? No, actually, it's the Ikea catalogue. Aha, trick question. 
The Bible was the most printed, but now the IKEA catalogue has surpassed it. 210 million copies printed per year in about 43 countries. Um, but the thing about the IKEA catalogue is it's, it's free, but you have to buy everything that's in it. The Bible you may buy once, but it was free. Up to a point. That's the way you write it down, but it's free. Um, do you know the printing press was invented originally for the Bible? Just thought I'd point that out. Right, next question. Who is this famous French philosopher, 1694 to 1778? Anyone got a name? Voltaire. Voltaire, yes. Well done, that's why you're faster. Voltaire. Now, Voltaire was a, a deist. He believed God was sort of somewhere in the distance, but wasn't interested, and he hated the Bible. He hated the Bible. He hated Christianity. Infection. And he used to sign off all his letters by saying, let's crush the enemy. He said, and I can't, that means, there's evidence for this in Google, by the way. Lots of evidence. Very reliable source. But he did actually do this. This actually happened. He actually said, round about a year, it was either 1750 or 1776, he said, by the time I'm dead, in a hundred years, the very Bible will be in Well, he lived in two places. One place was in Fernie, outside Paris. And where he lived, he used a printing press to produce his anti-Christian literature. But after he died, that printing press was used to print his And the paper they used was the paper that he had sold up in his future books. He died, and there was paper they used to print his Bible. The other thing is, he had a house in Geneva called Le Delice, called the Delights, it was a beautiful castle, I think. And apparently that became part of the distribution system after his death. It's documented evidence of this. A lot of critics say, oh, that's not true. Christians make it up, but it is true. Another quick quiz question. The sixth question, this is number four. Imagine you are living in a hostile country when you are persecuted, where you're persecuted by the local government because of your Christian faith. Christian friends are being killed. The charity asks, how can we best help you? What would you say? Yeah, you might say pray for us, which is good for You might say petition the government for us to stop the violence. You might say get us out of the country. But you know, open doors, I get their letters in my house. Open doors in a particularly difficult country in Asia had this going on. They said to the Christians, how can we best help you? Do you want us to petition the government? Do you want us to bless the Christians by them? They said, we want to, and also commenting from the sound, they said, we want to bring God into our trouble. You don't want to get out of it. I just thought, wow. They didn't ask for money or prayer, they asked for Bible. <coughs> right, next one. Would you be brave enough to give a Bible to this fellow? Hands up if you're brave enough. He's got an AK-47, right, Samson, well done. That's why you're called Samson. Yeah. <laughs> now, this is a true story. I'm just chucking out a few stories before we get onto the scripture. There's a, a couple of missionaries, Armenians, who work in Iran. They still work with it to this day. They work in Iran, Bible. They went to a petrol station, a man and his wife. His wife was very big and his man finally died. And next to the petrol station was standing a man, a woman to be, Muslim warrior. The wife said to her husband, God told me you have to give him a Bible. 
she said, stop the car. So he got fed up with the nagging, turned the car around, got out, opened the trunk, and said, right, I might see you in heaven. Took out the Bible. <laughs> Walked up to this guy, said, give me a copy of the Bible. And he turned around like this, started walking off. And I, it was a noise, a noise, and I did clap. And he thought, has he shot me? He turned around, the guy was on his knees, with the book open. The tears started to come down his face. And it's not an apocryphal story, this is actually someone online. But please listen. He said, why are you crying? He said, God gave me a dream. Three days ago, he said, I've got to come and stand at this petrol station and someone will give me the book of power, the book of God. God's holy word. And I've been waiting three days for you to give it to me. He's in Iran. Now I know the guy that told the story, so I'm not talking about Christians do. Maybe you do. Now, question, do you think he read the Bible? Of course he did. <laughs> you bet he did. <clears throat> right, last question. Does anyone recognise that book? Purposely obscure. Mein Kampf. Well done, Tim, again. Yeah. In the Second World War, Nazi Germany, Alfred Rosenberg, who was the leader or head of something called the National Life Church, they decided to replace the Bible in all churches with Mein Kampf. Hitler's doctrine. And they also changed the cross into a swastika type symbol, which you can't really see there. They made the cross into a swastika, so that wouldn't be allowed, and this wouldn't be allowed. Do you know why they did it? They did it because they knew this was a book of power. What the Germans really know. I'm just trying to remind us about our Bibles. I don't want you to worship it, but I want you to remember how important they are. Next slide. Here's just three quotes. People who stop aligning their life with God's Word will start to incrementally fail. That means gradually. If you stop reading your scriptures, give it a few months, give it a year, you'll start to fail. Whatever that means. Reverend Ponsonby said that. <laughs> there was a survey done called the Barna Survey, where they surveyed Christian behaviour and non-Christian behaviour, thinkers in America. And in certain parts of the church, they discovered that the Christians and the non-Christians were behaving exactly the same. Using the money in the same way, watching the same kind of programs, having the same kind of addiction, the same kind of problems. And they tried to find out why. And it was because of what I said earlier. Those portions of church had ceased really reading their Bible. They sort of got away from God's Word. And they become like the world. Last quote. Again, this is by Reverend Paulsonby. He's a vicar at St. Aldate's in Oxford. He said this. He said, 50 years ago, this is his opinion, non-Christians in the UK knew more of the Bible than many charismatics know today. I'm not saying you guys, by the way. <laughs> not saying you. But that's a shocking statement that non-Christians, when my dad was growing up, knew more content of the Bible than a lot of people in the church today. So, just a few to chew on this, and get back to scripture. Now, I want to look at two men in the Bible, that's all I'm going to do today, two kings. One is called King David, and one is called King Josiah, who's not so well known. Now, a lot of scholars think King David wrote Psalm 119, 
14. Some scholars think it was Ezra or Daniel, but I'm going to assume it was David. But Psalm 119 is all about the word of God. God's word and how God can minister through his word. Through his word. And I believe the key verse is this one. Verse 16. Which is just, I've been praying and thinking about this and reading it. Verse 16 it says, I meditate on your, 15 and 16, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. I believe that's the key verse. David knew the power of God's word. And here's some, just some little um, comments I want to make about Psalm 119. You don't need to turn to it, but just listen to the scripture. Psalm 119 verses 1 and 2 says, Blessed are they whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. I believe that as you read this book, you will be blessed. Blessed. You will be blessed. You want to be blessed here. It's not the book itself, it's God through the book. And then when God blesses you through the book, you will bless other people. I'm a lot nicer to my wife and my kids if I've soaked in scripture and pray. Be a blessing. Another part of this passage says, talks about overcoming sin. It says in verse 11 of Psalm 119, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I believe that as we seek God in Scripture and open to Jesus, because he is the Saviour, certain things you can overcome. But if you never go to your Bible, you might struggle with it. This is just my, I believe that. Equally, I believe freedom comes through God's Word. Like we were saying earlier, it says in verse 45, I will walk about in freedom. That's, I love that. I will walk about in freedom. Because I have sought your precepts. I really believe if you want to be free of old habits, old addictions, old um, problems that you've got, things that dog you like a dog hanging onto your trouser leg, part of God's way is through his word. I don't think, it, it, yeah, get prayer. Come to Jesus, pray, seek him. But maybe the Lord can speak to you through his word. And you will find freedom. So who, if you want freedom, if you want blessing, if you want to overcome sin, don't neglect this book. It's what the Lord's been challenging me on anyway. Just a couple of other quick things. If you want to know stuff about God, it says in verse 99 of the same psalm, I have more insight than all of my teachers, for I meditate on your word. You can get revelation by soaking in the Bible. You can know things that maybe clever people don't know. So, blessing, freedom, overcoming sin, revelation, just one more. Peace. Peace. It says in verse, um, you find it, 165, it's a long psalm, I bet you're glad I'm not reading it. 165, it says, Great peace have they who love your Lord. 
and nothing can make them stumble. That's quite amazing. Now we know Jesus gives peace, but it often is through, yes, through his cross. But if you're in the trouble, get to your scripture. What can minister through this book? Okay, so just throw that out there. King David, I think he kind of got it, you know. <coughs> Let's move on. That's just the truth. Uh, God's word is sadly neglected today. Now we come to the last passage, because I'm not going to be too long, about another king, King Josiah. Now, King Josiah is an interesting fellow. And I want to say this. He had a terrible background. His granddad, Manasseh, was the worst king of Israel. 55 years of total idolatry. He got the Assyrian gods into the temple and burnt children to demons in the valley of Hinnom. He was an awful granddad. And then his dad, Ammon, was just as bad in some ways. Ammon was an idolatrous king, worshipped Assyrian God. So he had a dad who was a really dodgy guy, granddad, a really dodgy guy. But you know what? This is the good news. His background did not determine what he became. He became a reformer. He became a man after God's heart. And I would just encourage you, you're not a man of anything. God of grace. But Josiah, right, this is what happened. It's in 2 Chronicles 34. What he did was he followed his conscience and he did what he felt was right and God rewarded him with even more blessing and more light. He followed the light he had and then God gave him more light. God rewarded him with the rediscovery of the word of God. He rediscovered the Bible, or it was probably the book of Deuteronomy, or probably the five books of Moses, it wasn't the Bible like we have it. He rediscovered it in the ruins of the temple. And I want to read to you, just briefly, from verse 14 of 2 Chronicles 34, where this book was discovered and un uncovered, rediscovered. Verse 14. While they were bringing out the money that had been taken into the temple of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord that had been given to Moses. Hilkiah said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. And he gave it to Shaphan. Then Shaphan took the book to the king and reported to him. Your officials are doing everything that has been committed to them. They've paid the money that was in the temple. They've entrusted it to the supervisors and the workers. You know, it's going great, King Josiah. Then he says this. Then Shaitan said to the king, Oh, he'll come out of the priest and give me a book. And Shaitan read from it in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the Lord, he tore his robes. He gave orders to Hilkiah, Ahikam, and Abdon, the son of Micah, Shaphan, the secretary, and Isaiah, the king of the pendant, saying this, Go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the remnant in Israel and Judah about what is written in this book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that is poured out on us, because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord. They have not acted in accordance with all that was written in this book. And what they did, they went to a proper test, get to a confirmation, 
All I want to say, just bear with me, I want to just bring out a couple things from the story. One is, who found and gave the book to Josiah? In the story, it was a guy called Hilkiah. Oh, I found the book. But who really found the book? It was God. God found the book, and God gave it to the king through these two men. And I really believe, this is what I've been challenged on in my own private life at the moment, God wants to give the Bible to some of his people. He wants to give it to you. I don't mean own a copy in your bedroom. I mean, I've got that chance I don't mean own a copy on your shelf. I believe God wants to give it to you. And you can ask him for the Bible. Say, Lord, I'm not that bothered about the Bible. It doesn't, it doesn't float my boat. I'm not that excited. Can you please give it to me in prayer? You ask the Lord to give you the Bible. You take it and you eat it. And I believe God rewards Christians with a rediscovery. Or he wants to, to rediscover God's word. And he wants to give it to you. You know, Wesley once said, in a prayer somewhere, he said, give me the book of God. We've got a copy of the morning. Give it to me, as in, Lord, I want to get hold of what you have. Next point. Redacting God's book led to rubbish filling the temple. At this time, the temple was full of high places, full of statues to Baal, full of Asherah poles, um, and various other idols. And the, they, what had happened is they had been neglecting the book, they had been buried in some rubble, and, and the whole place had become a mess. And I really believe, this is what the Lord showed me, that if we neglect God's Bible, we neglect walking with the Lord, the same thing happens to us. Full of jelly. Want a quick one? I can't be too long. When Shafan came along, do you know? Did you notice his how he behaved? When Shafan was given the book, right, got it in his hand, took it to the king, and he said, um, "Oh, the officials—they're doing all the work. They're doing all the repairs. We've given them the money. The work's going well. Oh, by the way, he's like, oh, well, my God, we'll just pack that in the end." It's not a book. I don't even worship it, but it's not, it's not, it's not Harry Potter. <laughs> um, it's not a old book. It's, not, it's, it's the word of God. And I love what Josiah did to Shaphan. Because Josiah, do you know what he did? Poor old Shaphan. It says, um, Shaphan, it says this, read from it in the presence of the king. Verse 18. And do you know what that means, Ward? Do you know what that means? It was a long read. It wasn't a five minute, oh yeah, here we go. He read from it in the presence of the king. And I, I can just see Shaken standing there. 34 chapters in this morning. But a long look, you know? And Josiah soaked in the Bible. Uh, he didn't just do a five minute dip. So I want to just say that, spend time in your Bible, like a modern-day Josiah. I've met modern-day Josiahs, people who spend time in God's Word. Mr. North was one of them. There's a guy called Mr. North, some of you knew him. Um, he was a great man of God, and uh, 
there's a famous question was once asked to him, why are you a man of God, Mr. North? And he famously said, when everyone else was out playing football, I read my Bible. I love that comment. Not that there's nothing wrong with playing football. Um, he was arrested in uh, the World War II. Uh, he was sent to Maidstone Prison and he, because he wouldn't fight the Germans. And they allowed him to keep the Bible and he said, if they do, whatever they do to me in prison, what do they do? I'm going to master the scriptures. And he talks about how the Bible, things that God showed him, burned in his heart. And, um, you know, it stood him in good stead because he got a lot of persecution and a lot of things. Um, I know a guy who wasn't in the army called Roger Jacobs. Some of you might know Roger Jacobs. Well, I remember him telling me once, when he was at university, God spoke to him and said, whilst you're at university, before you get married, spend time in the world. When you get married, you know, you're married. <laughs> so, there's a challenge. Do you soak in scripture? Let's just go on to a couple of last slides. Soaking in scripture, what are the benefits of just sitting with this book? Right, benefit number one, it makes your faith stronger. Do you know who that man is? George Muller. Not, not Paul Cop. <laughs> George Muller, right? He was a, 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 a man of God in Bristol um, in the 1840s, and apparently he read 10 chapters a day. I'm not saying that he did that. We'll get heavy on him. But he was known for a strong faith. He also struggled to pray. He really found prayer hard. When he prayed, he found praying difficult. But he found by soaking a bit of scripture, it made his prayer life better. So, do you have trouble praying? I mean, I, I, do you have trouble praying before sleep? Perhaps you even get up. <laughs> but, you know, soaking the scripture can make your prayer life stronger. Soaking in scripture nourishes you beyond your brain. You know you can study the Bible with your brain, you go, oh, this is a doctrine, we need that, we do need some of that. But it's like having a meal. I remember when I was a school teacher at Sittingbourne, I had to face three classes, they were called 9H, 9E and 9G. Nine dormers, nine horrible, and nine evil. That's what we nicknamed them. They were really bad children. And I remember just going into the scripture, soaking the scripture, just praying. I went into that classroom. It was still rare and naughty, but it, it, it was like I'd been nourished. I'd been, it's like I'd had a meal. I was okay. Didn't pay for me. They could have thrown stuff at me if it had been alright. You know, shut the fridge at me. And I would have been alright. It nourishes you. Quickly. It brings joy. You know, you are allowed to enjoy God. Did you know that? You can enjoy God. You can enjoy God even. I find if I read my Bible, just soak it for a while, I can actually enjoy life. I'm not the old New York, but I'm in the end. Last two points on this. Read your Bible right over your window. It's not a painting on a wall. It's not like a picture like this, where it's just, oh, that's a nice picture. It's like a window, and through a window you can hear sound, you can hear smell, that sound is visible, but God can actually reach through the window and touch your life. He comes through that window. And finally, read the Bible to spark a revival. <laughs> I know we think it's all to, to, because of prayer, but I'm talking about a personal revival. You might personally get refreshed. 
by reading the Bible. You might be stronger against temptation and sin. Now that photograph is actually a, a, a public revival that happened in North Korea in 1907. In North Korea, which is now a very non-Christian country, there was a revival once in the capital city in 1907. And part of the reason why this happened was because they found some Bibles by a riverside from a martyred missionary who'd been martyred, his name was Robert Geraint Thomas, I think. He'd been killed, they took his Bible, there was a couple of guys used it as wallpaper in their house. They tore the pages out and they stuck it on the walls of their house. There were two houses that stripped on the walls. People started coming into those buildings, it took 20 years, but over 20 years, people started reading all the stories on the wallpaper. And it led to conversions. It led to people getting becoming Christian. <coughs> and in the end, it was part of the process that sparked this. And when Josiah found the book, he had a kind of a revival in his time. <coughs> Very simple, isn't it? I'm banging on the same point. Go and read your Bible. <laughs> King Josiah was responsive. Can you just read it? You know, you can just read it and go, oh yeah, and then not do anything with it. Just read it for knowledge. But I love King Josiah because in verse 19, when he read it, he said, he tore his robes, you know. It was a sign he was repenting, he was humble. He didn't just justify himself or blame other people. You know, he could have said to God, look God, I've got rid of the high places. I'm repairing the temple. Look, God, I've crushed the idols to powder. I've burned the bones of those old mad priests on the altar. I've smashed up the Asherah poles. I'm repairing the temple. What more do you want? I'm a good guy. But you know what he did? He didn't look at what he had done. He looked at what he hadn't done. He thought, I haven't done the Passover for a long time. He repented. It's a challenge for me. We read our Bible and think, yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, Humble yourself and maybe God will correct things. Maybe the Bible tread on your toes. The last thing about Josiah, he wanted the reality of a relationship with God. He kept on thirsting for more. Uh, look at verse 21. Um, verse 21. He got all this. And he says, Go and inquire of the Lord. In other words, I want to hear God on this. I want to investigate. I want to be curious. And Josiah was very, very curious. And I love how this is what God wants us to be like. To be curious, to be thirsty. Our thirst can go on forever. There's a picture there. This is my last two slides. I don't know if you can see that picture. That is a cat about to go into the washing machine. The dog has stepped up the cat. The dog is dog's written cat food all the washing machine. There with me. And the dog's going, oh, please go in there. Oh, please. He wants to get the cat in the washing machine. And that is a cartoon designed for that uh, phrase we use, curiosity killed the cat. You know that phrase? Curiosity killed the cat. But in terms of Bible reading, curiosity will save the cat. Curiosity will save you from a whole load of trouble if you just get into God's work. And the last picture. 
This is Peter Jackson, creator of Lord of the Rings. And this is one of his movies called They Shall Not Grow Old. It's a World War I. Um, they coloured in this documentary film of World War I. They coloured it all in. And uh, they made it very realistic. And me and Chris Harding, we went to the premiere viewing, didn't we, Chris? Yeah. <laughs> we went to the premiere viewing of this film, right? And by Leibniz, in the audience, was the man himself, Peter Jackson. He wasn't in Odin Cinema, but he was in the one up in London. And he was on Leibniz. And what they did on that, that um, premiere showing, they showed a bit of the movie, then at the end, they stopped and they turned to him and asked him questions. What do you mean by that in the film? And then he'd ask they might show another bit of the film, and they turned to him and asked him a question. What did you mean by that, Peter Jackson? And what they were doing was they were looking at the movie, asking a question. Looking at the movie, asking a question. And I believe, this is what the Lord put my heart to remind us of, when we read scripture, do we try and say, Lord, what are you saying to me today? What does that mean? I'll be curious. I'll be like Josiah. Go and ask for more. And I want to finish now with the famous Oliver Twist thing that I mentioned last week. Oliver Twist. You remember we get up in the suit and says, Peter, have some more. And I believe God wants to give people of literature more. I believe he wants you to go and look further into the Bible. Not in a mechanical, legalistic way, but in a, a way that God just wants to give you more. And I believe that Tim is going to see him at the moment when he's entering into God's inheritance. He's going to talk about that, I presume, at some point. What God has made you, where you've been, where you're going, what, what there is in Christ, what you do in Christ. But a lot of that, you won't find out unless you get into God's book. So I'm going to close. But just let me pray for you all, yeah? I mean, I need to talk to anyone. Let's just pray for, I'll pray for you that we get a hundred. If we've lost that first, let's come back to it. Lord, I thank you.